Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Invite the Neighbors. Uh, you didn't catch that fake accent. Um, yeah, so this is episode 18, and it is featuring my new pals in Great Expectations. Not the book, the audio experience. Um, just talked with Billy, Austin, and Brandon. And they performed at the end of this episode, and it was beautiful. Um, other bands take note of that. I've had a couple bands who kind of wussed out on playing the song at the end of the episode. And you know what? I highly discourage wussing out. Um, I highly encourage playing. Um, so check that out. Stick around to the end of the episode and um, hear them play Sore Throat from their new record, which drops this week. Um, so go check that out. And if you, their, uh, their album release show is in Wyandotte on August 9th, look up their social for the, uh, for the actual spot. And also, you know, as always look at out of this world booking and church street booking for, um, shows in the area that'll be coming up and support your local music scene. Go buy a t-shirt, go take a sticker, go take see home stickers off the blind pig urinal and put them on your refrigerator i don't know i I mean i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about i always have to make the intro long enough to to match the music because i'm too lazy to shorten the music and chop that so that's why i'm still talking but anyway here's the episode with great expectations thanks for listening you said pleasure dome yeah it's kind of what we've kind of what we call it when like you're on tour and you get like the choice spot kind of like in the back bench or something of the van you're just like oh yeah you're letting it all hang out billy you want to uh move that beanbag like over like against the wall maybe yeah, sure. just so that the mic picks you up better yes welcome to the pleasure dome dude. <laughs> i need to put a sign on my door that just says pleasure dome after uh step brothers came out i had a beat laboratory sign on my door for a while because I don't know if you're a fan of Step Brothers, the movie at all, but he's like, he shows him the room where the drum set it is. He's like, welcome to my personal office slash beat laboratory. I think I've seen, I've seen that movie probably more times than I've seen any other movie. It's yeah. just one of those things that's just on all the time. And like one summer I was living at home and my dad and I would just watch it every time it was on. It's like, oh, I want to Step Brothers again. All right. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm a, I'm a fan. I was like... When Anchorman came out, I was like, I don't know, it was like 2004. I saw it with my grandma in theaters, which is a really weird movie to see with their grandma. But then I just like became a... Sh- all throughout high school, all we did was quote fucking Will Ferrell movies. But great expectations. Here we are. That's us. We're here. Yeah. So, uh, you guys got an album coming out, you said? Yeah. Tomorrow? Like, Tuesday? Like this this week. Okay. It's more complicated than that. I uploaded it to our, our distro service, and they're like, well, you can have it out Wednesday, and you just have to be like, well, okay. <laughs> does it, does it like, it, the, the way the distro, like, the, like their tone is that of, like, an old man? Yeah, yeah. So we <laughs> use, uh, we use uh, Weezer. It's not the band, though. It's W-E-E-Z-R. It's, uh, it's you know, it's a hip new distribution yeah. service. We actually use SoundDrop, so... Okay. I was just lying before we use SoundDrop. And SoundDrop's free, so it's not like CD Baby or DistroKid where you can pay a flat rate to sign up. Um, but yeah, because it's free, there are some, you know, some trade-offs you have to make. Like, hey, your stuff doesn't always uh, get up when you want it. Oh, okay. 
I know there's like the early November, uh, they put out an album and I saw them Well, they're putting out an album like this month or next month. And I saw them last year, which was supposed to be the release, like the release tour for the album that the, the label pushed back until like this time. So like, I think at least, at least with the distro kid, like maybe you're delayed a few days for not the distro kid, but like sometimes I heard like on major labels or whatever, they'll straight up. I think it was around the time. can't remember what, uh, other band, like another band, what that was bigger on their label basically took priority. Like, and they didn't, the label didn't want to release like two, like two bands albums at the same time. So like they had to take a backseat and wait like a year basically. Yeah, that, that stuff's always been really strange to me. I mean, with us, it's more just like, when do we want to do it? Is it ready? And, you know, just kind of going back and forth over, you know, when the best time to put something out is. And, like, do we feel like it's a finished product? You know, we don't have a label or, like, management or any of that right, stuff. Right. So we just sort of, like, uh, we just we just argue it out, you know, the three of <laughs> us. And then whatever we decide on as the collective, that's just kind of what happens. Do you guys have, like, a pretty solid like democracy when it comes to those sorts of things like i wasn't sure if this was like one person's brainchild or if you guys all came together and decided like hey let's all start a band because i've seen i've definitely interviewed both you know so i wasn't sure like what your deal your guys's deal was i feel like it's it's pretty democratic like i feel like we we're trying to be a band yeah uh, i mean i a lot of the songs and stuff i I mean I, i write like the I guess the, the beginning is with the songs, and we come together and finish them together. Oh, okay. Um, more more or less, I guess. What, uh, do you, what do you play? I play I play guitar and I sing. So I write like the, I guess, uh, I guess you could say I write the songs or like the, the, the skeleton uh, kind of thing. Yeah, and then yeah. we compose them together or arrange them together, or, uh, whatever words you want to use, I guess. Okay. Um, and yeah, all, all stuff like you know, what songs are going to be in the album? Uh, when's it going to come out? That's all stuff we decide together. Oh, that's cool. So is this like a full length that you guys have or is it like EP? Yeah, 11 songs. 11 songs? Nice. So, yeah. Hi, Kitty. There's like people that tell me they listen every podcast waiting for me to mention that the cat is here. So that I always have to, now I always have to mention when she actually jumps up on me. Oh. It makes me happy. But, uh, so like, how long have you guys been writing it for? Probably like three years. Two yeah, and three half. years. Um, if you count like when the first like the oldest song that i first started writing was probably like three years ago and we started working on it together probably yeah probably three years ago because act of trying we did up in the cabin and that was 2016 2016 yeah 2016 yeah. isn't burdened older than that yeah burdened older than that too. yeah so we put out a uh a full length and i think it was winter of uh 2016 oh okay so I you guys think, been yeah. a band for a while we recorded it winter 2015. We recorded it winter it came 2015. Out in March or May of 2016, yeah. True. Okay, yeah. So it came months. Right. So it came out I think it came out in May of 2016. And then immediately after that, you know, we had a bunch of material that we were just kind of sitting on and we did end up recording an EP later that year and released it, you know, in 2017. Uh, but yeah, we were kind of backed up, you know, as as a band, we had a lot of songs that were just kind of in the queue waiting to have something done with them and we just yeah we weren't sure we just spend a lot of time ironing out like details and the arrangement who plays what and when you know should we delete this verse or you know put it somewhere else right um you know just a lot of conversations about you know songwriting 
Yeah. Do you have, uh, is it the type of thing where you write the song and then you kind of decide like what to, what to delete and what to uh, like, how to, do you get the final structure of the song before you record it? Or do you like get the song, record it. And then at that point kind of decide like, all right, maybe let's delete this first. Like once you have like the recorded like scratch tape of it or whatever. Um, I think it usually works best when, when I, I get a lot of that done up front in terms of like, like the arrangement, like verse, chorus, bridge, yeah. whatever, all that stuff. Um, like I, it works best when I have that all figured out and I can bring it to them and they, they know what's going on. Um, cause it seems like when we try to figure out that stuff together as a group, it, it, uh, we run into like walls a lot yeah. more or less. Um, but we, we do do some of that at the end too. Like there, it depends on the song, but the songs that like are the least painful to finish, I'd say definitely happen like that where yeah no up front like at least at least what the sections of the song are and then can figure out what goes in them later i gotcha yeah i've been in bands before where like well one band in particular where there was four of us and like we all we tried to do this thing where like we all had an equal say like all the time which in theory sounds great but like and then when it actually came together in practice like we would have the least productive practices ever because everybody would be it's like everyone trying to drive a car. Like if you have one steering wheel and then you got four people with their hands on it and you're all trying to go in the same direction and it just didn't work, you know? So it's, it's kind of good at least to have like a, at least a, like one sort of vision that gets you going and then you kind of follow that around. So I feel like maybe that's your guys' experience or, or is it more? Oh, you know, making this record there, there's a lot, I think of, of what you're talking about where like, we, we all had kind of our own personal versions of what we wanted the song to be. Yeah. But um, I will say that I think the three of us have a very strong sense of what makes our band our band. And so if one of us proposes an idea, you know, it, we can usually check each other and be like, hey, I don't know if that seems like something that we would actually do in this part. And then other times okay. uh, we get inspired when we're just kind of messing around at practice, not really caring too much about what each other you know think about different ideas and, and some ideas that made it onto this record have come from those moments you okay. know it just it just depends you know there was some thing that we were doing we're playing the end of one of our songs burdened and uh we have this like long instrumental kind of twinkly outro which you know you'll you'll hear a lot on the record um but you know this was one of those twinkly outros and we were trying to do something fun with it and i think brandon started you know, playing some chugs, you know, just kind of like a yeah. metal kind of sounding like drop Sweet. D chug on it. And it sounded really cool. So we kept it and it's on the record. And uh, those are some moments that are kind of lightning in a bottle. You hear them once and then you go, oh, I like that. How do we do that? Sometimes you can do it again. Sometimes you can't. It's really cool. Like when you can capture that stuff, like in the studio too, where like you'll be recording something like say, I'll be like recording a guitar part and I'll mess up quote unquote, but the mess up will, will sound like really cool. And that's something that you couldn't, you couldn't write it that way, but then it just happens sort of serendipitously. And then it's like, okay, well you have to keep it. So that's kind of cool too. Um, so you, do you guys feel like you have, you mentioned like, uh, the phrase that stuck out to me was like, doing something that like didn't sound like something that we would do necessarily. So like, do you guys fashion yourselves as having like a sort of like identity that you try to stick to, or do you try to like 
change? Is there like conscious effort to change from from record to record, or yeah, I guess like it, what kind of like does any thought go into that in general? I think we have an idea of of of, uh, of what we sound like as a band. Yeah, um, aesthetic. Our aesthetic, yeah. Yeah, I probably should have just said an aesthetic and not really like a sound because we we have changed it from okay. album to album. This one's very different from the other stuff we've done, for instance. I think that's gonna happen naturally too, as like you you get older. Like you guys have been a band for what, like four or five years, it seems like. Yeah, about so four that's, years. That's gonna happen. That's a lot of bands don't <laughs> don't make it four months. So the fact that you can stay a band, I think you have to. You kind of have to change to have like the same people in the same band. I feel like it would get old after a while if you if you didn't change, you know. So like, what what would be like some of your guys' influences? Like when you were starting the band, like what were you guys like listening to? I listened to a lot of Owen and Mike Kinsella. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Into it over it. Oh yeah, and we all there's That's okay. a huge one, yeah. The bands we all like together. Into it over it. There, 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 maybe. I think like the old album is more like Death Cab Owen Into It Over It. The new album is more Motion City Soundtrack, Death Cab, uh those something are, else maybe. Those the are two American bands. analog set. <laughs> Death Cab and Motion City, that's what I just told Tyler from uh, Parkway in Columbia that I thought a lot of, like, some of his new records sounded like. And he told me it's because, like, their synth player has the same exact synth that the guy from Motion City used. Oh, like, on, on the, so cool. that weathering single, like the or whatever, it's the same exact synth. I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense then. Mm-hmm. So, like, so do you feel like that's still, those influences, that still kind of informs the sound of the band, or do you feel like nowadays are you listening to different stuff that you feel like is is changing the sound uh yes and no i, I still listen to like my staples like that's yeah i've been to it over it oh and mike can sell stuff uh still i call that a lot so listen to it a lot for the new album there's like comes some stuff that popped up like there's a, a new jsum album uh, a couple of years back and i just really liked it and that album's like like washed over with chorus and yeah. things like that and and it inspired me like Get a chorus pedal and write some songs with it. Like, so there's a couple songs that, that are like kind of like direct influences of, of specific bands. I'd say. Um, cool. Yeah. What about like the rest of you guys? Do you? Is it just like uh, same kind of stuff, or do you have like does each one of you guys have like maybe different influences that uh, like that you bring to the table that kind of colors the sound? Or yeah, I mean, I think that is like a. I think that's a, one of the reasons why uh, the three of us are so dynamic together is because we all listen to different types of music. And, you know, when you're in, when you're in like a van on tour, let's say with the band and, you know, people are taking turns driving and they take turns with the ox, you know, you're going to get something yeah. very different when each of us are in the driver's seat. And yeah, I think that's cool. It informs how we approach our own instruments and, uh, you know, then it kind of comes together and we just kind of let, whatever we come up with as a trio be what it is, you know, whether that's influenced by, you know, one band or another band or like, you know, Colombian like pop music, you know, yeah. which like, you know, is, is like a, a dumb, maybe seems like a dumb example, but like, that is something that we do listen to in the van, you know, just right out there kind of jazz from different, sometimes multicultural kind of music, you know, things that expand your horizons a little more beyond the, uh, standard 
Midwest emo kind of stuff. We Makes like it a like lot. Vampire Weekend a little bit. Well, actually, only Vampire Weekend. I'd scratch yeah. everything I said. We only listen to Vampire. Weekend. Yeah, I feel like you could listen to Vampire Weekend though, and then like get all those like world music influences and stuff while still satisfying your inner emo kid. Yeah, they kind of had a lot of that on like their first record, right? Yeah, a lot of like weird instrumentation and stuff. I feel like they still kind of do the you know the first record obviously established them as having that, and then I don't know. I think. The Modern Vampires of the City was probably my favorite by them. Did you guys, either and you guys go to Mopop? No. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to go. I waited too long. I, I slept on tickets, and then, then I checked, and there was like $150. I was like, no, can't do it. Yeah, it's not, not yeah. worth it for me to pay that much to see some bands. Yeah, demands. I wanted to see Tame Impala really bad, but just I just couldn't. I couldn't justify it, the money anyways. So, like... Are you guys... Well, I just had Pat Ray in here, and he told me that he was on... Seaholm was on tour with you guys, so what was that experience like? Absolute hell. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute hell. I mean, have you met Pat? Yeah, well, I, I <laughs> feel like I, I spoke mostly to his alter ego the entire time he was here. <laughs> oh, no. The Hamsman. <laughs> the Hamsman. <laughs> like, how... How many beers before he starts making sense, you know? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. You know, he waited till the very last day to have his first beer tour. <laughs> that, yeah, he kept telling that story. He had, he had many, many first beers of tour. Yeah. <laughs> we love him. It, it, it was so much fun. And we put out a music video today that kind of encapsulates what the tour experience was in case, you know, you didn't get to see it or something. Um, our friend Chris, who's playing drums for Seaholm, he filmed a lot of footage of us playing on his camcorder, and he synced it up to one of the songs on the new album. Oh, that's and, cool. Uh, yeah, so it, it pretty much has that same, you know, joking party kind of atmosphere that a lot of the shows had. You know, there there weren't too many down days on that run. That's good. Which is cool. How long? Uh, how long was it? Eighteen days. Right? Yeah, eighteen days. Yeah, that's pretty. That's a pretty solid run. I feel like. Yeah. Two off days, so 16 shows in 18 days. Yeah, 16 shows in 18 days is a pretty good, that's pretty pretty good, good ratio. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's probably that's one of the longer ones that I've heard from a band that I've interviewed, at least. I think a band from Philly, they, they've done, they said they did maybe like a couple 12-day tours or something. I think 18 is is the record so far like right. for bands on here, oh, so congrats. Oh, man. <laughs> well, really, really in the big leagues now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um. But how many tours had you guys done before that? That was our third. That was our third, yeah. We we've only that was only our second full band. The first first tour we went on went pretty well. It was the three of just the three of us, just great expectations, and we had a lot of fun. The shows went well. Second tour was just me and Billy because Austin had just started a new job, and it went okay. Yeah, <laughs> there's some there's some shows that didn't go so well, but. You know, I I feel like even if the show doesn't go well, I've I've always had fun and always like talk to somebody new and, and yeah. Something. But like even if even if the music, if you have a bad show or whatever, you can still salvage it. Like you can salvage the the fact that you're there. I feel like by trying to like meet new people, you know, make something out of nothing. I guess. Although I've never never been on tour, I'm still trying to I'm trying to like plan one right now, and it's it's a hassle. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a tough process. The planning goes smoother for me at least when I'm like 
many months out. So yeah. I feel like that's the trick, at least for DIY, just because things take so long to kind of get rolling because you're not really talking to people who it's like, I'm the talent buyer at this club. It's more like, Hey, I'm just this person who runs a house venue and we're really passionate about music, but like we've yeah. got other stuff going on, you know? Yeah. Just like everybody. Like I've been like, people have hit me up before on the DIY tour page just because I had commented before on some other thread that they saw and they were approaching me as if I, this was a few months ago, as if I had any sort of pull in anything. And I, at the time I really didn't. And only now I only somewhat do just because I know people who book shows and I do this. But at the time they were just like, it seemed like they were relying on me to like get them a show and they're from out of town. So they don't know who the hell is actually can actually do something for them. You know? So I'm just like, sure. Yeah. But that it worked out though, because I'll, I'll, you know, just me being one of those people that is just passionate about music. I just like, okay, well let me help you out because I'm sure I'll like in the karma mindset, I'm sure I'll be in that spot one day and hoping that like some random person will, will be able to help me out. Yeah. That's all it is. That was a lot of like, leap of faith yeah well you're not you're not making a lot of money <laughs> doing this you know so it's like it's just a lot of people that really uh want to be doing it oh yeah 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 look at the cat so like uh do you guys have a name for the new re- a new record yet oh yeah uh figures of speech figures of speech mm-hmm. is there like a a general like theme behind it or uh yeah it has uh i I do sing with figures of speech a lot, I guess. <laughs> or, or, or like common saying. I like to put like common sayings in songs and things like that. So, um, and it's, it's a lot about like, uh, a lot about a lot of conversations, I guess. Very like describing a conversation you had with somebody or something like that. So it's like figures of speech as in literal figures of speech, like sayings. And then also like, like figures as in like people that you're like talking to. Like, oh, oh, okay. That's kind of cool. If that makes sense. I don't know. That's how I think of it, at least. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I mean, if you wrote a lot of it, it gets to be what you think of it, you know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, is it, uh, Austin, you mentioned, like, that you guys had, like, a, maybe more like a party, like, fun atmosphere on tour, and that's, I think, the general, like, gen- what generally what people imagine. So, like, do you feel like uh, the tone of the music kind of lends itself to that, or is it... Is there like a, an up and down where like the music can be really serious and then you have to like balance it out with like the the, the fun party aspect of it? I think you just you, you put it right there. Um, we have a lot of like different dynamics on the record. We, you know, we have a couple songs that we I guess we call bangers or, you know, the bops. Yeah. Where, you know, you could see someone playing that kind of in a sweaty basement, you know, up tempo moving yeah. around and the crowd kind of you know, getting energized with that. And then we also have some songs that are very slow and somber and, uh, you know, a couple of tracks are, you know, all acoustic, you know, and uh, have a bit more like layers to them, I guess, than than just kind of loud rock chords. So it wasn't obvious to me that when we went on tour, it was going to have that vibe. But I think being out with Seaholm and both bands sharing like members kind of helped you know, we kind of cross-pollinated a little bit, so we took a little bit more of the energy from from Pat in our set, and then I think Chris and I might have, you know, added a little bit more maybe thought or refinement to the Seaholm set, even though things do still get crazy. It's like yeah, you know, there's still kind of a sense of control. Um, yeah, I see that. during that their makes set. Sense. 
but yeah, no, I also just think it was the aspect of being, you know, five guys who are out on the road in the summer, just playing music that they like, you know, it was hard not yeah. to feel like you were having a good time. Right. Right. I mean, you could be playing, you know, like a bunch of Elliot Smith covers. And if you're like on the road doing it, I feel like you could, you'd still be having a good time regardless of like what the subject matter was. I think it's that's just a really interesting concept to me because like a lot of the music I write is it's like feels somber or it feels like super emotional and but like when I play live I try to have a really good time so it's like almost like there's this cognitive dissonance of like I'm having a good time and I want people to see that I'm having a good time because I don't want people to be sad at like my shows but at the same time like trying to maintain a level of like emotional honesty with the subject matter because it's like you don't you don't want to be singing about something really serious and then you know be like flailing around like a crazy person when it when, you know what I mean where it doesn't make sense where it's like it's not it doesn't um doesn't lend itself to the music so I think it, it's just interesting to me like having that cognitive dissonance and like being able to do do it in a way that like is is honest with the fact that you're trying to have fun but it also does the music justice so I think that's just really interesting if any point you don't understand what I'm saying, by the way, just let me know if I start ranting and talking in circles. <laughs> I think we get it. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah that's what yeah. we go for. Yeah, we definitely try to... I, I think maybe what, what we're grasping at right here is like the transformative aspect of, of playing music. So you write yeah. about something that's sad, but when you play it, you know, you're, you're engaging kind of in a community. You're in like a social environment. Yeah. And, you know, maybe by in looking like you're having a good time, you're not trying to write off the seriousness of what you're singing about but you also do want to acknowledge the fact that, Hey, I've been in this low place and yeah. now I've moved past that and you can too. Yeah. I get a lot of that from our music and I, I don't write any of the lyrical aspects of the music. So whenever Brandon brings this song, it's like, I'm kind of hearing his viewpoint on something kind of for the first time. And there are a lot of songs on this record that do deal with a lot of, you know, uh, complicated themes, uh, you know, communicating between people. And, uh, I, there have definitely been a few songs where I'll listen to them and go, oh, yeah, I've been there or I've been on the receiving end of that or maybe I've been in the speaker's place, you know? So, yeah, you know, when you when you play it on stage, you kind of sometimes put yourself in, in those shoes. Yeah, that makes sense. I think like a band that comes to mind for me is uh, is Foxing. Like as far as their, if, you, if you're familiar with Foxing, like mm -hmm. their live shows are really really high energy but if you listen to their record it doesn't necessarily necessarily feel like a super high energy record it's like something you can put on and like drive at night i mean near my god is is more has more energy to it but if you listen to like dealer or whatever it's just a lot of really like twinkly like kind of atmospheric stuff and then you see them play it live and they're all over the place and i think like there's it's interesting because there's different ways to convey energy even through like a song that doesn't seem to have a ton of it which is interesting and people connect with it people i feel like the bands that um tend to make it i see making it a lot especially out of like diy are the ones that put on a show that people can really connect with you know like the bands that at least for me like the bands that you can tell that they're experiencing some sort of like a catharsis on stage it really draws me in so the fact that you guys are conscious of that makes me really want to listen deep dive into like your guys's music because i like a lot of bands don't really think about that i mean to each their own you know what i mean 
like a, a lot of bands just are, are in it to have fun and that's it and that there's nothing wrong with that there's like a purity to that but i'm more drawn towards like the type of stuff that you guys are saying does it get when you're touring for 18 days this is I've, it's one thing i've always wondered does it ever get like by the end of it is it is it easy to like maintain a level of like energetic like emotional honesty when you're playing the songs and you've played the same set for you know two weeks in a row or does it start to get become a grind like emotionally i feel like it, it gets better oh really yeah i feel like i mean well just from a having more time playing the songs and playing songs live and i mean especially when you're at home you play it play a live show maybe once twice a month usually typically if that right. and you go a few months without playing shows usually so when you're on the road and you're playing every night you get like way better than than you ever are i'd say at, at, that's how we as a band that's i think you guys agree with that yeah i think it's like it's a learned skill to be able to convey like to be able to, to be able to perform live and convey what you want to say in the way and also perform like you're on your instrument well like mm, yeah it's like a combination of both and you really get to harness that energy when you go on tour and you have to play day after day in front of different people and like it's you get to see the reactions from people and gauge the audience and see like you know uh i guess check yourself and see what you could have done better it's like a constant improvement yeah perhaps if you went on tour for like months at a time it could get draining but right <laughs> i don't think 18 days is that drastic yeah yeah i guess you, i didn't really think about that i thought you know it makes sense to think about like it, when you are playing like just one or two shows a month and if one of them is a bad one it's it really sucks <laughs> because it's like you don't get that redo but when you're on tour it's like okay well that sucked but you get a mulligan the next night mm-hmm. And you can just like convene as a group and be like, all right, well, we fucked this part up. Uh, just mental note of that. And then the next night, you probably won't make that mistake. You might make another one, but maybe by like day 10, you're just, on, you're just like on point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's one of the reasons I really want to go on tour too, is just to like see how the set would evolve and things like that. Now, do you guys play the same set each night or did you, did you switch the order up or do different songs and stuff? Switched it up sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. We, we have like a normal set that we'd play. Just because we were also incorporating Pat Ray on guitar, you know, we didn't want to change the set too drastically every night and then have him learn a bunch of songs that he may or may not play. So there was kind of like the Pat section. And then if we felt like it, if we had time, we might tack on like one song from like our first record. Oh, okay. And do you guys still remember all of your songs basically to the point where if one one of you guys can just be like okay let's play this one from like the first record it's like or do you have like a set number of songs that you rehearse for the tour i, I think we can pretty much fake our way through them all yeah yeah <laughs> on our first tour we like what was interesting is that we decided like gauging on what kind of place we were in and what kind of crowd there was we would say what kind of songs we wanted to play oh that's cool and so we were we're pretty well versed in all of our songs because we would have the opportunity to play different ones at different oh times. yeah that's pretty cool and so with this new record you said like there's some songs that are like full acoustic and things like that do you do you plan to like have to represent that with the instrumentation like are you like when you play live or you like bring acoustic guitars too or do you have like live versions of them 
Yeah, I mean, like, um, so I think all of our songs kind of have evolved in the live show over time. Where yeah. I think we we play most of them pretty pretty differently from the way they were recorded. Whether it's just a little more up tempo, higher energy, or like different instrumentation or different parts. Um, Brandon and I do this thing sometimes where we'll go to like open mics and we'll take two guitars. I play bass in the band, but when we do this, you know, we both play guitar and we just do different versions of those yeah. songs. Those like, especially like the acoustic ones, we kind of rework them into something that you could hear it like at a coffee shop. Okay. You know, and then sometimes we do something really crazy where we'll bring, you know, different instruments that we may not have even recorded the songs with and we'll play versions using that. Like I just bought a pedal steel guitar. So I'm looking for every opportunity to play that thing. And it got to the point where we went to the Raven cafe in Port Huron and I loaded it up a fucking like hatch, like through like a open door, like up a ladder. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just like, we, we like to do things and and switch it up because we want to stay musically kind of stimulated yeah we we get bored kind of easy uh especially if we do play the songs the same way over and over again so it just helps us add variety kind of keeps us sharp musically like you know learn your alphabet but learn it backwards too yeah or learn it like every other learn it letter learn it in spanish (laughs) i I don't know yeah learn yeah (laughs) learn the cyrillic alphabet or something yeah you you know kill some time speaking of alphabet is there a bathroom here yeah. Can I uh, use it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just go straight out of here, um, and you just if you just like keep kind of going straight and like follow follow the wall around. Okay. You'll see it. It's got a bunch of Christmas lights up in there. Okay. Um. But yeah, so do you guys have any plans for the next tour yet, or are you kind of just still uh, just calming down from the last one? It's actually open. We're we're gonna go sit down, and figure out some stuff today. Probably practice after this and hang for a bit. And I was hoping to to figure that out um, today, or or at least have a general idea of what we want to do. Because uh, I'd like to do some weekenders. Like we we go back to a couple of places we played that are close, like over a weekend. Yeah, and things like that. Um, Billy's about to go back to school. He's he's been going to school at Central and has lived oh, okay. up there. So that that makes it harder. Um, then we have to kind of make a decision if Austin and I want to just do stuff on our own, um, which I, I like. I like the stuff we do, but I think sometimes a lot of these places you play are like college towns. And you're like playing in a college basement, and people like want to party, and it's not always like good for an acoustic. They want to hear dysentery Gary. They don't want to hear two guys with <laughs> dysentery Gary with acoustic guitars. So, but but I mean, there's like yeah. other avenues you can take with that too. Like you could choose to play coffee shops, or you could choose to like I don't know, seek out the non college routes but i guess in the fall maybe it makes more sense to do the college thing we've really never toured like outside of the summertime so this is uncharted territory for uh, us i think weekenders are kind of the way to go like in the, in the off season if you want to call it that like in fall and winter or whatever just be well i mean especially if you're working and stuff um I've, I've talked to a lot of bands that they think that that's probably the your best bet because you're getting the most people at a show on a friday or saturday one and it's like you're you know you're you're able to you don't have to take time off of work really if you have like a regular like monday through friday job or whatever and you can continuously hit like markets in your region without really sacrificing a lot of your uh like vacation time or whatever yeah and also you don't have to like go 
you can get the benefits of like a tour maybe without the grind of actually being on one is what i've been told anyways like if you just do a bunch of weekenders like some bands i talk to that's all they do and like obviously you if you want to go further then you're gonna have to do more than that but a lot of bands like i've talked to that they just don't do it for whatever reason they just think that weekenders or like four-day weekends here and there just hitting different markets every time or like the, the way to go so i guess there's different ways to do it but um what have you guys i like to ask bands like with a little bit of touring experience like now that you've have a few under your belt like if you go back to maybe the first one was were there some things that are like comical to think like were you naive at all about certain aspects of touring that now you know better about or were there just like mistakes you made that now feel like rookie mistakes Ooh, i got a good one make sure you book the right springfield (laughs) (laughs) we were on that first tour and this is i think it's just a funny story now um but at the time it was a little frustrating uh we were just starting our tour we'd gone out of the state played our, our show in Chicago and we were kind of ready to head to this hotel we booked for the night and I'm going through my phone. I'm trying to plug in the addresses of all the clubs we'll be playing. And I knew our last date was Springfield and I thought it was Springfield, Illinois. <laughs> and I plug in the address of the club we're playing and it says Springfield, Missouri. And I turned to Brandon. And I'm like, how are we going to tell Billy? <laughs> because Bill was driving that whole tour. It, he, we were using his car. <laughs> You know, yeah, that was on me, <laughs> but it was a good show. <laughs> it was a good show. Uh, I mean, we, we did meet uh, uh, Boy Rex, and we became friends with with Jack Seneff through that show, and uh, that kind of led to some more opportunities in the future uh, that me and Billy uh, took up. You know, touring in Boy Rex and stuff. So I don't know. Every every quote unquote loss has kind of been flipped around into you know a win. You find a silver yeah. lining in those little things like that i mean at the end of the day you're out there to play music so as long as a show hasn't dropped completely unexpectedly or you know you forgot to follow up on something and you lost a show yeah it's really not that bad as long as you're spending the day playing music that's what you're out there to do right and uh you know who who cares if it's just an extra 12 hours away from from home (laughs) right yeah depending on where you're at it could be part of the adventure or it could be a complete disaster (laughs) you know depending on like how far you got to one place before realizing you're supposed to go to the other yeah that's kind of how it all is you're teetering this like fine line between disaster and just total success and you're you're yeah you know there's kind of there's got to be like a like a virility to that like an excitement to that just knowing at any moment something could go wrong like the van could break down or something because a lot of times these bands are in these vans that are like over two hundred thousand miles on them that you know no like dads everywhere are just like losing their hair over the fact that their children are out driving these vans that like are in desperate need of repair but then they're going like cross country on these things but they're living their dreams yeah yeah. Yeah, there's just something like romantic about that, <laughs> you know. It's just really cool, like like very like Jack Kerouac type of like on the road sort of thing. Just like you're you're just like fueled by uh, I don't know, like just necessity. <laughs> it's almost like willing willing the van to get there kind of thing. Do you guys travel in a van, or do you just like you're a three piece, so you just take like a. I guess what's the what are the wheels? Usually just an SUV, and we we borrowed Pat's Ford Flex for this tour. 
Okay, so all five of you guys just yeah. makes sense. I think it's probably a better way to do it. That way you're kind of dealing with a vehicle that you know maybe doesn't have that many miles on it. You didn't yeah. have to buy it used or like rent something and you know you can buy like a back carrier or a top carrier to just put all your personals in. The gear goes in the in the car and uh everyone else just kind of crams in around it. You guys are able to fit all the gear in that thing. It was like a miracle. We backline we backline drums. So we didn't take we didn't oh, take any shots. Oh, okay. Okay, that's fortunate. Yeah. As the drummer though, is that is that difficult to like have to play a different drum set every night or is uh, it was it fairly pretty I easy? I don't mind playing different drum sets. Okay. So it's fine for me. I know some drummers are really particular and they would really want to bring their own kits, but I don't really care. I'm I gotcha. I mean, did you bring like, stuff? Did you bring the snare? Yeah, we, we brought our own breakables. We brought oh, okay. Sticks and cymbals, snare, kick pedal, like stuff that's like quite important that might like feel way off if we didn't use yeah like, our own stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. So like, um, what was I gonna say? Oh, so like, as far as like success on tours, have you found that you've had like, has money ever been an issue? Like on tours, have you ever had like to to like like come roll up to a show and be like, okay, we need to make this amount of money, like otherwise we're kind of <laughs> maybe calling home or something? Because I've talked to some bands and they they definitely have like a per diem that they feel like they have to make in order to like sustain themselves. We've uh, we've done okay. The the one where it was just billing me money wise financially, we didn't do so well. But the first one and the recent one, we did we did fine. Uh, and I mean, we're not making enough to pay for everybody's food or anything like that. But we're making enough for gases, and, and we could afford it. We got hotel rooms twice this oh, last time, cool. and and then we still had some leftover at the end. So we're we've we've done better, way better than I, I thought we would. Um, That's good. And and usually like in terms of gas and and like main expenses that you need to cover for the whole group if you're making like if you, if you get 50 bucks a night you're usually okay yeah which, and then some nights you make more than that and then plus merch and plus we had merch sales on top of that which we kind of kept separate for each band and and so that was all money at the end of the time that we were able to put towards like buying cds and buying like getting cds made for this next album and stuff like that. oh okay so we did okay yeah that's cool and you said you guys don't have like a label or anything right or do you have like a DIY label at all? Because I know some of these some of these guys do. We're we're so DIY that we don't even have <laughs> yeah, we a don't DIY, even have a label. DIY label. I mean, like I double donut. Well, yeah, I I'm registered on Sounddrop as Double Donut Doggy Records, which <laughs> I guess is what I would call my record label if I had one. But it's not really a label, so right. We're labelless. We're just we're just freeballing it out here. <laughs> freeballing it. Who did uh? Did you guys record it yourself, or did you go through like a producer? Yeah, we so we recorded uh, everything ourselves at another engineer's place. We uh, Wit from Fallow Land yeah. kind of told me about this guy in Corktown named Chris Colte, who's just kind of been a dude in the Detroit music scene for like years at this point. He's done a bunch of stuff with like Proto Martyr and Shigeto, like stuff that's just kind of out of our yeah our scene. But you know, he does really great work. So I checked the studio out and, you know, he gave us a pretty agreeable rate to rent it without him being there. And so it was just like, all right, us three in the studio, record all the stuff we need. Chris is upstairs making tamales. (laughs) He's off the clock. That's pretty cool. But it's also thanks to your education. Well, yeah. engineering. 
you are like an audio engineer and you have the experience for that kind of thing for him to be comfortable with you to oh yeah exactly like he, like just so you know like he would not rent that out to just like a random person you know oh, right like, right right yeah you know, it's kind of a word of mouth thing i my education was in audio engineering like billy said and of course knowing the right people like knowing someone who already made a record with him kind of helped establish that sense of all right i can trust this guy i can leave him alone for like a couple hours and he's not going to like blow the place up right you right know? right when, whenever you're going into another person's studio it's like there's always little quirks that you you don't know necessarily about how they set the place up sure there's some frustrating moments but we got some really really good sounds out of that room on this record i mean like straight up the drums would not have sounded as full as warm as punchy as they uh did if if we hadn't recorded them at, at chris's place you know yeah um and then yeah the same goes just for the guitars for vocals stuff like that we just took our time to make sure all the sounds were you know exactly what we wanted yeah sometimes that meant having to go to my place you know a couple months later and just patch some stuff but like right i don't know when you when you block out your time and say we're going to spend three days in the studio or six days in the studio the mentality is different than if people are just coming over whenever they get time off work to like do a part here and there you know it feels like a more cohesive project we basically did all of the basic tracking for the the album within those first three days oh that's pretty good and we layered for 11 stuff on songs top. that's that's pretty good yeah i mean I'm, I'm really surprised we were able to stick to that schedule but you know what we got out of it was uh, a, a solid foundation you know we obviously yeah. would layer stuff on top of it but like when the drums are already done, when the bass is already done, when you've already like got the guitar parts mapped out, like it's way easier to think about what you need to do next. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like I'm in currently in one of the worst possible, not worst, but a really bad recording situation. Cause like I had a band and I booked off time with Nick Diener to go to like record the songs we had. And then my drummer quit and oh, no. yeah. So the drummer quit and but i still had the time with with nick and so and it was coming up so i basically went in and like okay well i have another drummer now but like he's not ready you know so i had to record just i just had to record guitar first and obviously set to a click and everything and so noah's learning the drum parts or he has the drum parts now but like he's gonna have to go in at some point and we're doing it backwards basically like the guitar's there and he's gonna have to record the drums to that instead of vice versa and it's just it's just a nightmare compared to like blocking off the time and just going in all in doing it the right way and then getting it all done in one setting that just sounds so nice <laughs> so and you said you started recording it or you started you started writing it a while ago but like when did uh how long ago did you guys record it I think it was like January of 2018. We did three days in the studio. And then I think we touched it up a little bit in March with three more days. So it's been recorded for, you know, over a year now. Oh, okay. Um, but the mixing process did take a while too, just because of the way that this record came together. You know, we weren't so like, it, it wasn't like, where Brandon said our, our inspiration usually strikes us if the song is formed and then Billy and I get our hands on it and we arrange it. Yeah. It's more like we had a lot of open-ended discussions kind of about where the songs could go. Even though we tracked mm. them, we were like, oh, well, we could do 
it one way or we could do it another way. And so most of that time mixing the record was spent deciding what of all the parallel universes, which one are we going to choose for, right. for this song? And so they took on a lot of different shapes and forms over the course of the year, you know? Okay. Do you ever like record like two different versions of a song and then just kind of compare them side by side or is that maybe too involved? Uh, it's probably a little too involved for yeah. what we were doing, but like, I think Austin and I have a good enough intuition to where <clears throat> if we start to go in one direction, we can like be like, wait, 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 wait. This is, oh, yeah. yeah, this is no, no, no. Oh yeah. Having Bill next to me when I'm mixing is like the easiest way for me to figure out where it's going to go because yeah. I'll try an idea and he'll be like, no, let's try it this way. And so you flip it on its head, you try it a different way and you're like, okay, now I see what you're going for. I gotcha. And that's kind of why it's cool to just have the three of us in the producer's chair instead of an external force, even though sometimes that could maybe rein us in. I like, yeah, I kind of like the, the informalness of just having two other people being like, Hey, you should maybe try this instead of that. And then you bounce ideas off each other and see what sticks. Definitely. If you're with people you can trust and that, that would be like a really cool thing to have. I was, yeah, I was going to ask next if you, if you mixed it too, because like, having like a a background like an education in audio engineering i imagine for me anyways don't let me project this onto you if this is not how you are but like i imagine it would be like it'd be really weird for me to have somebody else handle like my project when i could do it myself you know i just feel like that would be like a, a strange like division of power almost if it, if i could do it myself and it was like my music I feel like that it's maybe fortunate that you're able to do it yourself. In some ways. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I think about it. Um, we've put so much of our time and energy into making a record, you know, and you figure like at the very end of it, what am I just going to send it down the assembly line to someone else? Right. Because at that point it's been over a year. We know the songs inside and out and to really mix something well, whether you're doing it for a live show or doing it, for a band's recording, you just have to know the songs really well. Yeah. So if you hand your music over to somebody who has only ever gotten like a 30 second preview of what you're about, you know, I'm not saying that they can't do a good job. Um, they might do a fantastic job, but there might be something that they miss, like some small detail that you think is important that they wouldn't know about because they're not you. They're not inside your head. Yeah. Um, you know, we ran into some interesting moments like that when we were doing the mastering process. We, we went to an outside person to do that. And, you know, uh, he knocked it out of the park eventually. But where our um, dissatisfaction kind of boiled down to was you're giving him stems of our songs, you know, with each individual part, like bass, guitar, yeah. drums. And he would kind of, you know, mix it in his own fashion or master it in his own fashion. And we'd hear it and go, oh, but this part's missing. Or this part doesn't sound the way we think it should. So we just changed our approach and I would just send him my mix and it has all the stuff that we want in it. And he just kind of, you know, put the spit shine on it, kissed it, made it better. Right. 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 You know? And then it was like, all right, this is awesome. This is exactly what we want. I guess maybe that makes us a little more high maintenance, but I don't know. We're all kind of cool with that. Is that, is it high maintenance though? Because it's like, if I feel like if, if I was mastering your record, it would be like, almost less work if you did all the mixing and then you just sent me a master file to like, you know what I mean? Instead of me trying to have to like take the stems and, and master that, like to 
through all that if someone who knows what they're doing mixes it and then just sends me something that's already what they want and like you said just put the spit shine on it that's all and they're gonna let me put my name on it as having mastered it it would almost seem like more convenient in a way i I guess but you know like having done this for a while everybody works differently you know like whether it's writing songs or you know mastering mixing just life in general everyone does stuff differently so yeah you know when you start working with someone and they ask hey can you like try it this way with me like you know you you take a little bit of a chance and you say all right well if this is how you're used to working then you know why not we'll we'll try a little something and if it's not working we'll just you know be honest and see what we can do from there yeah do you ever mix for like other bands or you do you try to like put yourself out there as like someone who offers that service or do you kind of just like to keep it for your own projects uh, f- for the most part for my own projects but i'd like to put myself out there after this album i mean i mean i like mixing music, yeah you know like yeah uh it's just like at this point a lot of other people i know in the scene have a lot more like they just have more stuff to put on their portfolio like i know tyler from parkway yeah. does a lot of great work and so i feel like you know he ends up working with a lot of the bands that like i would feel strongly about working with you know so I don't know. I, I'm comfortable just kind of doing my own thing with my own projects. If it ever came down to like, just by chance, I might be able to work on someone's demo or something, you know, that's cool. It's just not something that I've advertised all that much. Uh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, if you ever do get to the point where you want to, by all means, let me know. And I can let, we can do an episode where you just go deep diving into the mixing process and all the rec- recording stuff. So mm-hmm. like, I try to let people know that like i don't want to just do bands like i would like to get um i mean i've done promoters i want to start getting people that like uh like recording engineers artists things like that so by all means never hesitate if you have something like that or you know somebody like that you know i think i have enough revisions of all these songs saved that i could probably teach like a college course on it (laughs) yeah well you're educated in it a lot of stuff (laughs) yeah well, um, I'm going to let you guys uh, play a song off of the, uh, well, whatever you want. I'm assuming you want to play something off the new record. Um, yeah, sure. And then also just feel free to send me like a wave or an MP3 or something if you want me to play. Like I can plug it into the episode if you want to, an actual recorded uh, version of one of the songs too. I'm happy to put it on there. Sure. Sure. Sounds right. good. So before we uh, pause it up, do you guys just want to plug where where people can find you online, all that good stuff. Well, yeah, you know, we're on everything. We're on Instagram and, and Twitter and, and Facebook and, and uh, our music's on Spotify and Apple Music and everything. The The new album will be up on Bandcamp this week. And uh, most of our most of our handles are, are Great Expectations MI. So like Instagram, Facebook, it's Great Expectations MI. Okay. And Bandcamp, if you search like Great Expectations Bandcamp, or I, I think that one's also Great Expectations in my gotcha. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Before, like, I wanted to ask you about the name, Great Expectations. Oh, yeah. Is it from the book? Yeah. Okay. More, yeah. Okay. I, w- I wasn't sure because, like, I, uh, yeah, I was just curious about that. Like, was that just like a favorite book or? Yeah, I get asked that a lot. It, it is, it is about the book, and it's also, which this is a, like, and, more or less what I, I think a theme of the book. It's like when you're really looking forward to something and like, like you're really hoping it goes well, but like there's this thing in the back of your mind, like you're afraid it's not going to go well. 
and like sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't but it's, it's i guess it's that kind of like feeling of like really looking forward to something yeah and that like like anxiety about how it's actually going to turn out that's yeah it. i think i might be butchering this but there's a quote that's like happiness is reality minus expectations i haven't heard that something to that effect that's what that made me think of interesting you know what i mean like when you when you learn to just accept your reality and drop your expectations of it you know just accepting things for what they are is i don't know what it made me think i think it's cool because i i love books in general and like i remember i went through like my british literature phase in high school like because that was like my thing english was my thing so i just thought it was cool that you guys have a band named after a charles dickens novel yeah so props to that but all right i'm gonna pause this up and i'll get you guys situated so you can play a song cool all right so uh we're two-thirds of great expectations our other third is here but he's incapacitated at the moment and we're gonna play a song off of our new album called sore throat Thanks for listening. Oh yeah. I like that. 
Say goodbye to our viewers, Austin. Goodbye, viewers. Say goodbye to our viewers. And goodbye, listeners. Goodbye. We've been never to return. Great expectations. You have been listening to Great Expectations. This episode is brought to you by MeUndies.